Friends, thank you for coming tonight as well as we come to the close of this uh, conference concerning the doctrines of grace when we heard last night and this afternoon uh, the four heads of doctrines of the canons of Dort and we will conclude with the last one which is concerning the perseverance of the saints it has been a great blessing for my wife Cornelia and myself to be in your midst again and we hope and pray that the Lord will bless this conference to all our hearts also this last topic that we will consider the perseverance of the saints that it is not just head knowledge or confessional knowledge but by grace that it is heart knowledge. And so let us pray that the Lord will bless the endeavors of last night and this afternoon as well tonight to our hearts and life. I'm going back for a minute to the preface of the Canons of Dort in which the authors of the Canons says the following... Among the many comforts which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave to his church militant in its troubled sojourn, one in particular is rightly celebrated. That one that he left behind as he departed to his Father in heavenly sanctuary, saying, I am with you every day until the end of the age. That is in the opening of the preface of the Canons of Dort in 1619. Many comforts, delightful promises, also for the church today. And among the many promises is also this one, this fifth canon of head or doctrine concerning the perseverance of the saints. Comfort. That, my friends, is the overarching theme of this address. It is not a sermon. It is an address or a lecture. As you know, I'm teaching at the seminary, so um, I'm lecturing uh, for this address. Comfort. Comforted by the teaching, or I think better yet, this, this personal, this biblical this reformed, this experiential, practical knowledge of the perseverance of the saints, of this great comfort, as the canon states, to all those who do accept the gospel and embrace Jesus the Savior with a true living faith, as we see in Canons 1.4. So tonight I will give three considerations speaking about the perseverance of the saints. In the first place, an historical consideration. In the second place, a doctrinal consideration. And in the third place, with the help of the Lord, the perseverance of the saints, a personal consideration. With this prayer, as is stated at the concluding paragraph of the canons, and I paraphrase, May Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is seated at the right hand of the Father and gives gifts to men, 
sanctify us in the truth. Equip us, and in everything we may tend to the glory of God and the building up of his church. First then, a historical consideration concerning the perseverance of the saints. As we have heard throughout the conference, in the first decade of the 17th century, there was a discussion in the Reformed Church in the Dutch Republic concerning confession, catechism and predestination. It was James or Jacobus Armenians and his followers, the remonstrant, who were really hesitant to accept the confession, that is the Belgian confession of faith, as a confessional document. They argued scripture should be enough, should be sufficient. They were suggestion, suggesting to make changes in the Heidelberg Catechism, in the Catechism, uh, changes rela- related to the role of the human will in the work of salvation. And Arminius had questions concerning the doctrine of predestination. And for example, does not God elect people based on their faith? Not what he wills, but what they will. Their faith is the basis of election and predestination. And so, if one is ingrafted in Christ, Arminius argued, can they not lose their faith when they sin? And if they fall deeply in sin, would they not lose their salvation forever? Or other questions that he had. Does God's grace not work together, as we heard also this afternoon, together with the human will in salvation? Now, and although there were many more questions that Arminius raised, he raised them first, from a historical perspective, he raised them first in his preaching on the Romans 7 and the Romans 9. And when you read those sermons, the main issue in his sermons was an overstating of the role of the human will in the work of salvation, which resulted for Arminius in the understanding that God's grace could be resisted, believers could fall out of a state of grace, and perseverance then is dependent in part on the cooperating human will. Now, and that is summarized in the rejection of errors in chapter 5, verse 2, as found in the canons. They say that God does indeed provide the believer with sufficient powers to persevere and is ready to preserve them, these in them, so far so good, comma, if he or she will do his duty, if, conditional. And this idea, the canon state further, contains an outspoken paganism. That is a heresy in the 4th and 5th century. And in the rejection of errors in 5.3, state that the true believers regenerate, not only can fall from a justifying faith, and likewise from grace and salvation, holy, and to the end, but indeed often, they argued, do fall from this, and are lost forever. Well, friends, historically speaking, these views are not new. It was Augustine in the 5th century who disputed the views of Pelagius, who holds that original sin did not taint the human nature, and that human 
humans by divine grace have a free will to achieve human perfection. An idea that also resurfaced in the 16th century debate between Luther and Erasmus, in which Luther wrote Bondage of the Will and showed that fallen humanity does not have a free will, but a will that always chooses what is contrary to God's will. And so Luther said, only God's regenerating grace will renew and restore the will to do his, to do God's will. So Arminius' view on the human will was not new. But with this difference, in the 17th century debate, with others in the Reformed Church, this overstating of the human will in salvation, they noticed that God's sovereignty was compromised. And just as a side note, as, uh, as I remind my students often, what, what is now the central theme in the canons of Dort? Predestination? I would suggest divine sovereignty. The sovereignty of God. Yes, predestination and election are mentioned, are discussed, but the primary concern for the Reformed Pastors, theologians, is divine sovereignty. Thus, Arminius' views and those who followed him claimed the human will in itself must cooperate with God's grace, the human will can resist God's grace, and the human will will be required to persevere in faith and the life of grace, and if not, one can fall out of grace through sin. And the Armenians and the Ramesses said, look, we have scripture on our side. Give a couple examples. Hebrews 3, verse 6. But Christ as the son over his own house, whose house are we? If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto this end. So if, conditionally. Hebrews 3, verse 14. For we are made partakers of Christ. If, condition, if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence, steadfast to the end. And for example, Hebrews 12, verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man, man fail of the grace of God. So it seemed, it seemed that Arminius and his followers had scripture on their sides. But there were those in the Reformed Church in the 17th century, understood what was going on. Not only a return, at least in part, to the Augustinian Pelagian debate, but primarily that Arminius' view had a theological and a pastoral implication. At first, theologically, those Reformed, say the Reformed Orthodox, they say it robs God of his sovereignty. The understanding what he wills comes to pass, which cannot be resisted by the human will, by people, by us, as we heard this afternoon. Irresistible grace. But secondly, pastorally, it has an implication, these views of Arminius. It robs God's people of the assurance of faith and of perseverance. 
And that, friends, I think makes the kennis of Dort so relevant for us today. Particularly when we consider the perseverance of the saints. Not only that the question is raised, should we change the catechism, is not a new question. It is a human document, let us change it. Or is scripture not sufficient? Just the Bible. Just the Bible. By the confessions. And the canons directly and indirectly address these issues. But also this reformed teaching of the 17th century as found in the canons. That the perseverance of the saints lies firm. Is anchored in God in Christ. And is not dependent on us. Is that not a comfort? To have this 17th century reformed confession. Secondly, a doctrinal consideration is given to the perseverance of the saints. The head of doctrine 5 of the canons concerns the perseverance of the saints. And in the handout or in the back of the Psalter you note 15 articles in which the teaching is explained. Followed by 9 articles of the rejection of errors. That are the errors stated by the remonstrants, the followers of Armenians. Now, what do those 15 articles say on the perseverance? In the first three articles, it deal with the saints' depravity. Our remaining sins, our sins and spots, our inability to preserve ourselves. Articles 4 to 6 deal with our falling into sin and the result of our sins. And yet, as the canons suggest and write, and we confess, we cannot fall away. Which raises the question, why the saints cannot fall away? And that is answered in articles 7 and 8, dealing with our regeneration and renewal, the work of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. And this leads the canons to state concerning the assurance of the perseverance and perseverance itself. In article 9, that assurance is obtained by us, not only it can, but it can be obtained by us. Article 10, how it is obtained by us. And article 11, it does not exclude our having carnal lust. So knowing this, that the assurance of salvation, the assurance of perseverance, the question is, what is the fruit of this in our life? In the life of the saints? Well, articles 12 and 13 state it should lead to godliness and carefulness in life. And so the last two articles, 14 and 15, the head of doctrine, the fifth canon, deals with a different perspective on the perseverance of sin. Those that say God uses the means of grace to persevere for the saints and conclude then the views of the ungodly and the godly concerning the perseverance of the saints. That, friends, in summary, in very brief summary, is the biblical and the reformed teaching And I hope that this teaching we know also 
by grace concerning the perseverance. Biblical, as you note, if you read the canons of Dort in its entirety, you see, you note the many reference to scripture. And it speaks with the language of scripture. Including the fifth head of doctrine, particular in the rejection of the errors. Those errors, as stated, are a rejection based on the word of God. And there are nine articles of rejection of errors. Article 1, perseverance is not a gift of God. The Armenian view. Article 2, perseverance is dependent on our duty. I have to be obedient. It is all about me. Article 3, perseverance is discontinued, which may lead to that one can fall out of grace, or one can sin unto death and against the Holy Spirit. And then number 5, this rejection. That assurance of the perseverance can only be by an extraordinary revelation. And our Reformed forefathers rejected that notion. And I will come back to that later. Or Article 6, assurance of perseverance injures godliness, good morals and prayers. Article 7, temporal faith and justified, justifying faith are the same. That is rejected by the Reformed view. Article 8, one can lose the regeneration and Article 9, the Armenians or the Remonstrant, they claimed that Christ never prayed for perseverance. So what then is taught in the concluding chapter of the Canons of Dort, as we conclude this conference? Now we don't have here time to go through each and every of the 15 articles and the 9 articles, the rejection of errors. And therefore, I will focus on two aspects of the perseverance. First, what about sin? Sin in the life of God's people. The saints, they are called the saints. Scriptural words, friends. What about the sins of God's people? Our sin and the perseverance. And the second aspect that I want to address arising from these articles, what about the assurance of God's people? Assurance of faith in the life of God's people. First is about our sin and perseverance. Remember, Arminius suggested that the human will in itself is indispensable for our salvation. And so when we sin... He claims we cannot persevere in faith. Well, the Reformed, however, acknowledged that when we are regenerated by the work of the Holy Spirit, as we heard this afternoon so clearly, for Christ's sake, they acknowledge we are delivered from the dominion and slavery of sin. But then they say, but not altogether from the body of sin and the infirmities of the flesh. So this great blessing, let me keep it a little practical. When the Lord works in your heart, what we heard this afternoon, by word and spirit, to be delivered from the dominion and slavery from sin. But there is still this 
indwelling zin. Romans 7, echo over Romans 7. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. Have you learned that? For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. To have a delight in God's law after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity of the law of the sin which in my members. Friends, there are times, that there are times when you see that indwelling sin in you. That you have to say with the apostle, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And that's what the Lord, uh, the Catechism, Lord's Day 33 says, eh? the mortification of the old and the quickening of the men. That is a part of the perseverance of the saints. Daily sins, Article 2. In chapter 5 said, daily sins, this should lead us to humility before God, taking refuge in Christ, mortifying the flesh through prayer and piety. Friends, may I ask you at the close of this conference, where does your sin? Be honest tonight, between your soul and the Lord, where does your indwelling sin Where does your sin and sinning lead to? Your your struggles with sin. Does it bring in humility before the Lord? Do you take refuge in Christ? Our daily sins, our daily sins, friends, it shows us that we don't have any strength in ourselves to persevere in the state of grace. Article 3. The preservation and perseverance is not only is only because of a faithful God, eh? Article 3, but God, you heard it, but God is faithful. But God is faithful, who having conferred grace, mercifully confirms, powerfully preserves, even to the end. Of which the candle state in the rejection of the error in article 9, referring to Luke 22, where Christ says, I have prayed for thee, that your faith fails not. Is that not comfort? Ja, but I hear someone say, and, and we read it in article 4, eh? but what then about David and Peter and other saints, as we find them in scripture, who had a lamentable fall? Is that because the Lord is not at work? Article 4 reminds us, eh? we fall. God's people, there are times they can fall, because they deviate from the guidance of divine grace. They are seduced and complying with the lust of the flesh. They don't watch and pray constantly of not being led into temptation when we neglect, friends, grace and prayer. We make ourselves liable to sin, and not only liable, but also permitted by God actually fall in great 
and heinous sin. That can happen. The life of the saints, David, adultery, murder. Peter denying his Savior three times. Article 5 says, enormous sins. What that is, friends? When you sin, you highly offend God. You incur deadly guilt. You grieve the Holy Spirit. You interrupt the exercise of faith. Grievously wound your conscience. And sometimes, sometimes, you lose a sense of God's favor. Friends, that is what sin does. In the life of God's people. In the life of a saint. And yet, and yet. And yet, contrary to the teachings of the followers of Arminius, God's child will not fall out of grace, sin unto death, and sin against the Holy Spirit. But will be, be preserved to the end. And they return in repentance. And remember Article 2? That is humiliation before a good doing God and taking refuge in Christ and pray but also when God's fatherly countenance again shines upon them then says article 6 God is so rich in mercy in his free mercy does not take away the Holy Spirit let them not lose the grace of adoption and forfeit their state of justification, but preserve them by word and spirit and renews them, Article 9. That is the doctrine of perseverance of the saints. Despite who I am by grace, a saint be, by grace be for God, that he will not forsake the work that his hand begun. But we'll finish it to the day of Jesus Christ. He loved them. He loved them to the end. Is that to, is that to, to, to a comfort to you? He loves them to the end. That's the first aspect. Our sin and God's work through word and spirit. Perseverance, perseverance of faith. The second aspect is in this head of doctrine concerning the assurance. The Renaissance suggested that in this life the saints can never have full assurance. You see this sometimes also in the Roman Catholic teaching. It's not unique to Arminius. The saints can never full have full assurance. Then only by, they claim, by a special revelation. We can have no certainty of the future of the perseverance from this life in the rejection of error number five. Because Arminius uh, argued uh, full assurance leads to a careless lifestyle, injures godliness, good morals, and prayers. Because if you, are if you are assured, who cares how you should live? But the Reformed answered 
differently. And that answer is found in the Canons 5, Article 9 to 13. First, the true believers for themselves, they say, may and ought to obtain assurance according to the measure of their faith. And listen carefully. As believers, dus, one may one may and ought to obtain assurance. Let me ask again in a different way. If you can if you sit here tonight or you listen online, you cannot deny that work of grace in your life. Do you seek to obtain assurance? How are we doing? We are here encouraged that we may and ought to seek and to obtain assurance. That the Spirit himself testify with our spirit that we are children of God. Which the canons refer to, Romans 8 verse 16. Secondly... The reformed position is this assurance is not produced by a peculiar or a special extraordinary revelation independent of the word of God. But it rests, they say, from faith in God's promises. Which, so the canon state in article 10, the Lord has abundantly revealed in his word for our comfort. God's promises are sure and certain for our assurance, for our comfort. Third, with this comfort of the certainty of perseverance based on God's promise in mind, it does not mean that the believer always is sensible, always have a feeling of this full assurance and certainty of this perseverance. For example, in time, times of backsliding, Article 13. Fourth, even when the believer does not have an active sense or feeling of this assurance, God's word and God's promise is sure, and they refer to 1 Corinthians 10. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also Make a way to escape that you may able to bear it. And fifth and last, such knowing of the assurance of faith and perseverance ought to be a source of humility. A filial reverence, Article 12, a true piety, a patience in tribulation, fervent prayer, solid rejoicing in God confessing this biblical truth and rendering a careful life to continue in the ways of the Lord. Article 13. Is that not a comfort? Having this, this assurance. I am his and he is mine for Christ's sake because he holds me and he keeps me. This then, friends, is the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints, which is concluded in Article 15, that may be seen as the apex, the crown of the canons of Dort as well, 
that they say that they write the carnal mind is unable to comprehend this doctrine of the perseverance of the saint and the certainty, that, certainty thereof, which God had most abundantly revealed in his word, for the glory of his name, for the consolation, for the comfort of pious souls, which he impressed upon the hearts of the faithful. Satan abhors it, the world ridicules it, the ignorant and hypocrite abuse it, and the heretics oppose it. But the spouse of Christ has always most tenderly loved and constantly defended the inestimable treasure and God, against whom neither counsel nor strength can prevail, will dispose her to continue this conduct to the end. That is the comfort as doctrine. But now also our third point, the perseverance of the saints, personally. And friends, looking back to the conference from last night and this afternoon, and also considering the perseverance of the saints where do we begin and where to end having learned and having heard of this grace of this comforting doctrine let me put it in this way if you may know by grace and I'm not speaking about the profundity but the principle eh, that we all have sinned and under God's wrath and deserve death chapter 1 of the canons and now by that same grace that God out of mere grace chosen from the whole human race which had fallen through their own fault a people to redemption in Christ that the love of God was so manifested that he sent his only begotten son into the world and that whosoever believed on him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you may know by grace we did not deserve anything, but God sent us his only son who came to do what you and I could not and cannot accomplish by ourselves. And that we may know by grace that the death of the son of the son of God is the only and most perfect sacrifice and satisfaction for sin, for for my sin and more personal that his death on the cross is sufficient for my sin this wonder of grace he for me made us alive with Christ or with the verse of the canons what we heard this afternoon 3 and 4 in article 12 and this is the regeneration so highly celebrated in scripture this new creation a resurrection from the dead making a life which God works in us without our aid, in us, without us. Having learned, worked in us faith, a gift of God, have worked in us forgiveness of our sins, by grace worked to deliver us from the dominion and slavery of sin. When we may know those teachings, those doctrines, personally, by word and spirit, not an abstract teaching, but a living reality, sin and a savior, yourself and Christ and him alone. And yet, this struggle for the good that I would not, 
But the evil which I would not, that I do, this mortification of the old man. That you may know something of a sincere sorrow of the heart. That you provoke God by your sins. And the desire to flee and hate from them. And coming alive of the new man. Those moments of a sincere joy of the heart in God through Christ. And when there are times of backsliding in your life. Eh? Addictions or recurring struggles with sin. That is porno or otherwise or same-sex attraction. And you further seeing your sin. How can this go together with grace? Those times when you cry out to the Lord. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Those times when your sins press you down. And you long to be delivered from that. And you wonder, how will I continue to run the race? How then shall we live? Those times when the assurance of your faith is not felt and not experienced. When you have to say with the psalmist, I'm in doubt and temptation. Or from the end of the earth, I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, when life overwhelms you, and it seems there is no one to help. Those times in the life of God's people, when you feel in grievous sin. David, it's not David, it's me. Peter, denying Christ in your life, that is you. How shall you live after that? Friends, here is how. As we have seen in the canons, Resonating with God's very own word and promise. And also seen in this chapter concerning the perseverance of the saints. To be reminded also this evening. Being confident of this very thing. That he which has begun a good work in you. Will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is your hope. To be reminded, arising from our meditation on the perseverance of the saints. Saints in Christ. Sinner in yourself. As Martin Luther once wrote, Simul justice e peccator. Simultaneously justified and sinner. Meaning, in and ourselves. Under this analysis of God's scrutiny, we have still sin and we are sinners. But by the imputation And by faith in Jesus Christ. Whose righteousness is now transferred in our account. Then we are considered just and righteous. The very heart of the gospel. And that friends was and is at stake at the canons of Dort. And therefore to be reminded the perseverance of the saints means. Or more personal is confessed. But the canons are a confession. Part of the three forms of unity. We confess them by grace. As I leave you with five considerations of comfort. First, this reminder is God who called you to the communion of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and regenerated you by the Holy Spirit. It is not of yourself. Not of your works, but by grace. You have been saved by grace. That is your comfort. That comfort lies in you 
firmly outside of yourself. Like an anchor securing the boat. Even though, in particular, when the waves are raging, to know by grace personally we have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll, fastened to the rock which cannot be moved, grounded firm, deep in the Savior's love. That love of the Savior Christ is not only once, but continues, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved that. He loved them to the end. Is that not a comfort for you? In times that you struggle with sin, those daily sins, those indwelling sins. And this brings me to the second point arising from this chapter of the canons. Knowing his perseverance in your life, do you humble yourself before God? Do you take refuge in Christ again and again? Coming to a throne of grace for Christ's sake. When you confess your sin, there is one on the throne who is fully acquainted with sin and have bared it for those that have iniquity. Do you take up more and more prayer? Where there is sin, where there is temptation and you struggle, maybe already a long time, not as a condition, but as out of thankfulness to know God is faithful. And therefore you practice, and you practice piety daily in your life to humble yourself before God and take refuge in Christ and commune with the Lord often in prayer with him, spending time in his word and prayer. And third, seeing this evening his faithfulness in your life. And with the words of the canons, he who conferred gave you grace. He who confirms grace in your life. Or, or, or have you forgotten those times when you came to church and the Lord spoke to your soul through his word? Tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Those times that he confirmed grace in his mercy. And that it is he who preserves you even to the end. And that for Christ's sake. Faithful. Faithful. When his fatherly countenance again shines on you. After having grieved him with your sin. Faithful by his word and spirit. Certainly. And effectively renews you to repentance, to sincere and godly sorrow for your sin. And you seek to obtain and obtain the remission in the blood of the mediator. And that you may again experience the favor of a reconciled God through faith and adore his mercies. When you see this, or maybe tonight are reminded of the teaching of the perseverance of the saints. And, and see once again God's great, oh so great faithfulness. Then you join the hymnist, great is thy faithfulness, O oh God my Father, 
There is no shadow or turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever be. Fourth, seeing his great faithfulness in your life, being preserved till this very moment. Having been given perseverance, do you seek and do you ought to obtain not assurance? Eh? Arriving with the words of the Article 9, arriving of a certain persuasion that you may know by grace to be a living member of the church, experience once again the forgiveness of sins, and having this hope that you will at last inherit eternal life? Or do you think that the assurance of faith, or salvation, or perseverance is an extraordinary experience, an extraordinary revelation, something that you experience outside God's own words? Oh, friends, let Scripture, let the canons be your guides. As they remind us in Article 10, this assurance is not found independent of Scripture. This assurance is found in having faith in God's promises, which are abundantly present in the Word. As the Apostle says in the Hebrews, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter into the holy places, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And our bodies was with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who is promised who promised is faithful and therefore the apostle stirs us up let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good work such assurance is testified by the Holy Spirit witnessing with our spirit that we are children of God and yes you may not always have this full assurance and the certainty of the persevering so article 11 reminds us that belongs also to the life of the Christian but assurance at times also belongs to the life of the Christian and should that not drive us more and more out to Christ having a filial reference being patient in tribulation being fervent in prayer and confessing this truth and rejoice in it. Friends, when was it the last time? When was it the last time that you could rejoice of this doctrine of the perseverance of the saints because it lies firm in Christ outside of yourself? And fifth, how do we obtain then such assurance and more confidence of the perseverance in your life? Well, article 14 states, to our comfort, it has pleased God by the preaching of the gospel, what we heard this afternoon, by the preaching of the gospel, to begin this work of grace in us. So he preserves and continues and perfects it by the hearing and reading of his word, 
bij de meditation daarom en bij de exhortations en promises daarop. As well, the use of the sacraments. Practically, friends come under the preaching of the word. Meditate upon the gospel. Read the gospel. Exhortations, warnings and promises. And use the sacraments. And let me be very practical. Uh, how do you get more acquainted with a person that you love? You want to be in his or her presence. And so it is with the assurance of faith. The assurance of salvation. Of the certainty of perseverance in your life for Christ's sake. To become more acquainted with Christ. Is true his word. And the use of the sacrament. A regular use of the Lord's Supper, for example. In remembrance of him. To remember. Every time there is an. Every time you sit around the table. To remember that he was bound. So that you might be loosened from your sin. To be reminded that he was innocently condemned to death. So that you are acquitted at the judgment seat of God. To be reminded that he became a curse for you. So that he fills you with his blessings. To be reminded that he humbled himself to the cross. And cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you are never forsaken by God who has promised, I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. Is that not a comfort? Would you not join the psalmist in doubt and temptation? I rest, Lord, in thee. My hands, in thy hands, thou carest for me. My soul, with thy counsel, that is his preserving grace. True life, thou wilt guide. This truth of this very delightful promise shines in the church of every time. This biblical experiential truth of the perseverance of the saints. This comfort which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave to his church militant. In that troubled sojourn. And he left us with this promise for this troubled sojourn, for this church militant, for those in our midst who struggle. And he left us with this, I am with you every day till the end of the age. Amen.